Do the trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Our bestseller is all they're cracked up to be. Here at Terrible Book Club, we explore whether you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. You ever passed a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. Welcome to episode 127 of the Terrible Book Club. I'm Paris, and this is Chris. Hello! This time, on this, on this cozy, terrible book eve, we read Star Wars Life Day Treasury, Holiday Stories from a Galaxy Far, Far Away, by George Mann and Kevin Scott, illustrated by Grant Griffin. Chris found this while just diving into random Amazon holiday books like a month or so ago, and since it embodied the ever-present question on the show of, was this really necessary? We, we bought it <laughs> and read it. Chris? Yeah, um, I literally just stumbled upon this one. It wasn't... I was just going through holiday stuff on Amazon, and I saw it. I was like, does anyone really need a Star Wars holiday story compilation? And now, originally, before having read this, I thought this was some older book, because Life Day was definitely a thing previously that the star wars you know before disney owned it well it was from their previous holiday mistake yes the, the star wars christmas movie about like wookie life day which was yeah wookie christmas and i thought oh it must be from back then because why would they resurrect that yeah that's also what i thought and then after, upon finishing the book i looked at the about the author and he was like oh i did some work for uh, image comics for the dark souls i was like dark souls Wait a minute. Hold what, on a second. What decade Wait. was this Yeah, from? what decade was this? So then I looked at the front, and it was published like the, the month that I looked at it. That month that I found on Amazon. It was in like September yeah. 2021, something like that, which is a clue for how far ahead we're recording this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's close to your probably holiday It's close to Life stuff. Day yeah. for you or, or whatever. For us, it's a couple months before. I don't know. It could be a couple months before their life day. I don't know. I don't know True, and that's—I mean—that's one of the things we'll get into here is the lack of creativity about <laughs> and lack of diversity in this book about okay. about an entire fucking galaxy. <laughs> but all they can come up with is analogs for fucking Christmas. Anyway, if this is your first time stumbling into this show, what we do here at the Terrible Book Club is we read books that we assume are going to be bad, and we base this on their cover, title, summary, or some combination of the three. Um, and sometimes we also read things that people recommend to us, like friends or listeners or patrons. Uh, so generally we do the opposite of what most people do. So we put, pick books that we think are going to be bad. We read them to test that theory. Um, and then we present the episode as our evidence as to whether or not they were bad. Uh, once in a while, we do actually end up liking the book. So it's just kind of a fun experiment every time. Uh, content warnings. I mean, today we, you just kind of got our usual barnyard language. There's some cartoon levels of violence, and then there is a mention of a massacre. And, you know, various other evils associated with, like, fascist empires, because that's a thing in Star Wars, but it's really, 
there's really not much today, so. All right, um, Chris, do you want to read the back of the book summary? Like, what, sure. what, this, what this is what this book purports to be. From George Mann and Grant Griffin, the same team that brought us the stunning Star Wars myths and fables and Star Wars Dark Legends with the addition of best-selling author Kevin Scott, this collection of eight myths and fables told around winter fires and high-tech heating pods across the galaxy will bring holiday joy to young and old Star Wars fans alike. From Jedi in the city to Ewoks in the forest, from Wookiees to droids, in this charming collection you will find holiday feasts, ghostly apparitions, snowy adventures, and much more. Ultimately, these are stories of hope in the darkest of days, of family found and otherwise, of kindness and of love. Oh, well, that's sweet, Paris. It's a cozy holiday book. What's to, what's to hate about that? We're having a cozy holiday time right now. You're back in the Boston area. Uh, yeah. We're hanging out in person doing this. This is some classic TBC stuff. Yeah, that's true. Uh, there's a candle lit. We have some tea going here. I got you're, a full blanket you're on. You're cozy in a blanket on the couch. We got the mic set up. Hey, it's just a nice holiday time, man. We're just having... You know, well, I was trying to have a good holiday time, and then I fucking read this book, and it was ruined. So, you know, get, get in the holiday spirit and read some Star Wars things about lightsabered Christmas. Darth yeah. Vader roasting on, on an open, open Mustafar. <laughs> oh, space frost nipping at my hand. Hollow snow nipping at your hand, actually. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, all right, this is a collection of short stories, I think there are, like, seven? Eight? Eight of them, excuse me. Um, so, for characters and settings, I mean, hey, you know Star Wars stuff, right? You got all the Star Wars stuff, you got some androids, you got some Jedi that Yeah, are, you know, uh, give them some Star Wars names, you guys know what Star Wars, like, Balmagu, or... Dim fuppet, like you know, right? Well, like, yeah, I think <laughs> this is like one of the problems in the books that we'll get into. But they mention all these various species, both humanoid and otherwise. But very rarely do they actually describe what any of these are, and it, they're not—they're not like common ones that you'd know from the movies, which makes it yeah. even weirder. <laughs> so, yeah, they really, they really. Failed in the world building department on this one. I kind of just want to keep saying random off the top of my head Star Wars names for as long as I can here, Paris, just well, to see how one, long I can go. This one didn't have many names in it. it had some. Mel Garbo. Who is that? I, I'm making him up. I'm just oh, saying like, off oh. the top of my head. <laughs> and I believed you. Exactly. Part. Yeah. Del Frostbit. Gulgag. Oh, yeah. He's a hut. Yeah. What about... um? Mago. I mean, these all sound very plausible. J34P. Uh, how about 42069? <laughs> Darth Bengus. <laughs> Darth is like a title, so yes. yeah, that's, I mean. Yeah, Darth Bengus. He was the most famous of the Sith Lords. Oh, I was going to say Darth Bengus is clearly. <laughs> It's clearly a fucking evil... Uh... He's a comedy Sith Lord. <laughs> he's, like the, he's the yeah. jester Sith Lord. Uh, no, I was going to say, he's clearly uh, whatever Jar Jar Binks is. That's, what Dar <laughs> that's who Darth Binks is. <laughs> that's his when Jar Jar actual... You know that Jar Jar is a Sith theory, right? Like the whole conspiracy theory <laughs> no. about Jar Jar. Yeah, no, Jar Jar Binks is a secret Sith. 
He's like manipulating everything from behind. Like he's the reason the whole trade federation dispute. Wait, happened. so there's like a, a QAnon for Star Wars? Is what you're telling yeah, me? Well, yeah. Jar Jar Binks is secretly like the Darth Dark Lord behind even Palpatine or whatever. He's like. What is the evidence for this? Not that I'm very invested. I'm not invested. You know what? In Do your research, University. Paris. Just Google it. And I'm sure all the <laughs> completely bulletproof sources will pop up. Let me just get my data pad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, all right. Yeah, there's Star Wars stuff, and the setting is Star Wars, and there's space. That's, yeah. That's it. All right. So we've got eight stories. Um, I will... I. You know what? I'll, I guess I'll read these summaries, because you wrote them. Yes. Okay. So I actually have to physically open this book in front of me because I don't remember the names of any of these fucking stories. Names aren't that important, Paris. No, you no, can just but summarize. Him. Okay. Story one. A Corsicant solstice. I think it's Corsicant. Is it Coruscant? Corsicant? It's Coruscant? Coruscant. A, cor- a croissant solstice. Yes. Alright, we're on croissant. <laughs> and, um... Alright, on, on croissant, um, there's a Jedi knight? Is he called a knight? Yes, they're called okay. Jedi knights. There's a Jedi Knight, and he decides to reinforce the police state by chasing after a petty, thieving street urchin child who is stealing to feed himself and a sick mother. The Jedi decides to hang out with them for the holiday and maybe train the street urchin to be the Jedi Temple janitor or something. I don't know. It's kind of very unspecific. He's like, we'll take you to the temple and you'll earn your keep and be able to buy food for your sick mom, which is... This Feels really real gross. Fucking <laughs> felt like hashtag back to blue. Like, it's <laughs> like, oh no, Star Wars, get out of there. You don't want to do that. Uh, second story is um, an old hope, which, whoa, wow, the name Good of that dialogue. one. This one, I might say this one was the, the least egregious of them. Yeah. It was like the best story, I think. Uh, in an old hope, a droid gets kidnapped by Jawas, and all the other droids that are kidnapped on this uh, sand crawler. Yes, correct. Um, discuss the legend of the oil burning, a Santa-like figure that fixes droids in their sleep during generic life daytime or whatever. He shows up at the end to fix the protagonist droid after the protagonist droid decides to give hope to the other droids by fixing them in the night because he was like, well, we're all trapped on the sand crawler and I feel bad, so I'm going to use all my energy to fix you all up. But then, you know, they're all like, oh my God, Santa's real. But then Santa really is real and he fixes the good guy droid. So that was fine. I mean, it's bad in a lot of ways, but out of out of this pile of eight shits, that was the least shitty. Yeah, <laughs> that one was kind of the more most creative one, so... Yeah. Alright, third story, The Kindling. This one starts off strong, and then almost immediately gets weird. So in The Kindling, this is, this is kind of your Hanukkah or Diwali, some kind of festival of light simu- simulation here. Alright, you got two rebels on the run. Uh, they just escaped from a an imperialist work camp and the you know, stormtroopers are chasing after them one a twi'lek yes i didn't twi'lek or twi'lek i think twi'lek sounds like a twilight fan if i say twi'lek that's that's kind of weird <laughs> that's what they call themselves twi'lek tells the story okay so uh these two uh what were their names bell bongdo <laughs> no i have fanya grill jorpin oh Damn it! I, I, the book is right in front of me. Hang on, I can I can figure this out. Uh, Fanya, the Twi'lek, and Rorik, the Petroleum, whatever that means. Um, <laughs> so Fanya and Troll, Fanya and Rorik, good fucking god, they're running away. Rorik has been shot during their escape and is bleeding out, but they're still running. And while they're trying to escape to a waiting. 
I almost said helicopter. We're in space, though. It's a waiting transport ship. Yeah. Uh, to facilitate their escape. You know, fucking Fanya's like, oh, hey, look at this moss. And Rorik's like, I'm fucking bleeding out. <laughs> and she's like, no, 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 let me tell you the story of the moss. And he's like, I'm literally dying, but okay. And then she <laughs> proceeds to spend like 20 pages fucking telling the story about this moss. And she does use the moss to help them escape, but... It just, I mean, it makes, why would you waste that the time? The holiday story had nothing to do with why you could have told them that, oh, the moss has a high amount of magnesium in it, so it's, like, easy to light on fire for a long time to distract <sighs> the soldiers as a flashbang, essentially. Yeah, it's a flashbang. Anyway, she wastes all this time, you know, wasting the life of her friend here, uh, explaining why this moss is cool, and basically the whole story is, like, Hey, we were taken over by the Sith, and then our one hope was this lady who collected moss, and then we roasted the Sith Lord in his wooden tower, and then he because escaped the anyway. Because the Sith Lord have wooden I... towers, and they're afraid of fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll talk like about why that makes goblin overlord or something. Yeah, that makes no sense. We'll talk about that later. Um, yeah. Then the third story is, um, the Krulok. That, that was the fourth story, actually. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're on, you did the third I've, story. This is the fourth I've story. drifted into space. I've drifted out of space and time. Fourth story is the Krulok. This is the Ewok story. In this, in the in the Krulok, uh, there's a group of young Ewoks, and you know they're all trying to be cool because they're kids and they're like trying to be cooler than each other. And um, their parents tell them about the Ewok legend of a monster, the Krulok, that stalks any Ewok who goes out into a snowstorm in the forest. Because I guess it snows pretty rarely on the Ewok world, on the moon of Endor, right? It's the moon of Endor? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, so they're like, yeah, it's dangerous. Don't go out in the snow. So to keep the kids from going out, they tell them the story. Of course, this group of young Ewoks, including Wicket, because how could we write a story without literally a character from the fucking movie appearing? Um, you know, they they sneak out and they're like, oh, we're, we don't care about the... We're going we're gonna to catch the Krulok. And they set a trap and... You know, the Krulok appears, it's really just one of their friends, and they're like, whatever, it's not real, but then the Krulok appears again, and they're scared shitless, they piss and shit themselves, and they run home. <laughs> they run right crying, and, and pissing and shitting, they're farting their pants. Yes, and, and then it, of course, turns out it's just, like, they're the village elder, and they're, or one of their parents, like, just scaring them with a costume, and I was like, this is just the village, but somehow worse, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like, if you can imagine that. Um, what that has to do with the winter holidays other than snow, yeah. you tell me! I don't know. <laughs> holidays. Like, like, why didn't, why weren't we in, like, fucking Ewok Yule or Ewok Sawain? Like, they seem pretty druidic. True, you know? yeah. Like, like, why are we not getting, like, fucking Wicker Ewok or whatever? Um, that's that one. Alright, story number five. The Song of Winter's Heart. Uh, this is... <laughs> Summarized as there are very good people on both sides. The story yeah, yeah. Of, in the Star Wars universe. Um, <laughs> Max and Rel lived on Alderaan, you know, before it was fucking blown up, and they celebrated Winter's Heart, the Alderaanian Christmas, basically. Then, 18, I don't know, they were like little kids. It, it flashes through three different points of time. So they're little kids, they're having a snowball fight, and they're like, we're our best friends, yay! And then, uh, they're. <laughs> Guys, I killed an Ewok just now. I'm really sorry. It just died in the, on the floor in front of me. Um, you know, so they're children, and then it flashes to when they're both 18, and 
you know, they, uh, meet on, like, a, a subway, the subway, the space subway, and, you know, cut, cut You know, I need a nice chicken bacon ranch melts. <laughs> I don't want to get the vegetable supreme. <laughs> Just ran to each other there. They're both trying to get some lunch. Yeah, space subway. The space, sorry, the space transit system. Oh, I'm sorry, a oh. Jawa bacon chicken Oh, milk. God. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Think Jawa meat's any good? No. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, maybe it was jerky. Like, leave it out in the sun, the sand, right? Yeah, they're naturally jerked. That, that did not have a right to be as funny as I found that in that moment. Um, anyway, Max and Rel meet on this, you know, the, the space tram or whatever. And turns out, uh, Max joined the Imperial Army. And Rel is like, but the Imperial Army is evil. Remember when we were kids and they were evil? And he was like, yeah, but I want to make a difference, you know? And Max is like, okay, whatever. But then they meet again, I don't know how many years later. Turns out Rel is now a rebel. Max is still an Imperial Trooper. This is after Alderaan got fucking blown up, by the way. Um, <clears throat> they, of course, run into each other in battle. In battle? Rel is doing, like, a sneaking mission, like, across the snow. Well, no, it was it was during a battle. Oh, I see. It was, they were in battle together, and... Oh, God, it's so lame. But, uh, Max is singing a Winter's Heart song that they used to sing together as kids, and then... Uh, Rel pops up from his hiding place and finishes the line, and they're like, Oh no, it's you, man. I almost killed you. I can't believe it. They hug and play a game in the snow, and they're like, Well, get guess that's it. See you I, later. See you later. I'm gonna go shoot your comrades later. I guess not you. Technically my job, but eh. Yeah, very, very weird. Um, next story. Uh, the Spirit of Life Day. This is the Christmas ghost story, basically. So... There's some planet with, like, this super haunted town, and it's only haunted on Life Day, though. And every Life Day, the entire town is plagued by the ghostly reenactment of a clone massacre that happened there. Like, you know, the clone, during the Clone Wars, the droids came in and fucking murdered everyone in the town. And every Life Day, the ghosts of that situation reenact the whole thing and it terrifies the whole town they board themselves up inside their homes instead of I don't know going on vacation for the weekend they just <laughs> sit there and terrified and pissing themselves about this ghost listen shit. those tickets out of that town are really pricey let me yeah. tell you. well not to mention like nothing's actually ever happened they're just scared like no one no, like no one's ever died because of the haunting yeah no it's they're just like, scared yeah. of it so, uh, this one life day haunting massacre or whatever uh, this girl's pet gets away she runs out after her pet. They get, I don't know, she ends up in a house with a ghost, and the ghost is like, we're not here to scare you, we're here to make you feel better. And she was like, how is showing us a massacre of our, our townsfolk being murdered helping? And they're like, that's just because you have a bad attitude. <laughs> they, 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 <laughs> think more fondly about life day, and then and then it'll look nicer. Yeah. And so the moral of the story is, like, just blame the victim. <laughs> like, I have think. a huge... I need to talk about ghost mechanics when it comes to this story Yeah, we later. also... Yeah, we have questions about how androids are ghosts. Um, <laughs> Not even that, but uh, just, like, how that works. The whole... Well, if you were happier about ghosts, then we wouldn't be so weird. Yeah, it doesn't... Most of these stories don't make any fucking sense. Okay. So that's we got two more. We're <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, la uh, reflection day. Um, 
there's like uh, this pilgrimage happening, kind of like, you know, pilgrimage to Mecca or what's the other? Give me some other religious uh, pilgrimage place places. Uh, you go to the Vatican? Like, you're a Christian? I don't know. Yeah, like, Vatican, Mecca. I don't know. I guess Mecca is probably more Mecca. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway, there's there's pilgrimage, <clears throat> and uh, this one guy's basically being forced to go on a pilgrimage by his dad. Um, he doesn't do anything. Yeah, and this is like, oh right, this is a Jedi pilgrimage. This is for people who. Well, no, it's like it's not Jedi. It's people who believe in the Force, but they're lay people, so they they're don't like, have the power. They're of religious Jedi. about the Force. Yeah. Right. Right. So they're religious about the Force, but they're lay people, and that they don't have the power. They're the Jedi stands. Yes. <laughs> They are, uh, they are Jedi stands. Um, so, what was his name? Zula? Zuha? Zorba? Uh, yeah, Zula Dingo. <laughs> I just, I literally just finished this and I fucking cannot remember this guy's name. Uh, Zud Glanchy. It may as well be something like Zud. It was, it started with a Z. Zalo. Zalo, that's the name. Alright, that's the brilliant creative name that I forgot. All right, so in Reflection Day, Zalo is forced to go on this pilgrimage by his dad. Um, his dad's like, you've never had a purpose in life. Go on this pilgrimage and figure it out. And he's like, I don't really want to. His dad's like, go. I don't really know what makes him do. I don't know. I guess he just wants to repair his relationship with dad. Unclear. Your dad will cut here. him off. You know, it totally sounds like trust yeah, fund kid syndrome here. <laughs> maybe. And he meets a woman named Kazmira. Uh, on the transport, and then she ends up saving him from being stomped on by a camel. Excuse me, a space camel called a spammel. Actually, just called a spammel, too. Because this even... is so creative. Um, <laughs> I didn't catch that until you pointed it out. Yeah, she saves him from being stomped on by uh, ostensibly a camel. Um, and he. Uh, oh, right. Whole, as a whole part of this fucking pilgrimage, he has to go look in the mirror, the Kyber mirrors. Which apparently you're supposed to look in these mirrors, like all the pilgrims go, and you're supposed to like see the purpose of your life. And he gets there, he looks in the mirror, and he's like, "Oh no, I don't see anything." And then he like starts to turn, and he sees sees Casimir, and he goes, "Oh, I guess I found the purpose of my life." This lady that the I just met. Oh, that's like the worst thing for us here, parent. Like, just the whole point of the story is like, and then I met this girl, and that was enough. That's the whole point of my entire life. Yep, my life was directionless until I met this woman that saved me from a space camel. I... <laughs> <laughs> Alright, last one is... The last one might be, like, the most phoned in of all of these stories. It's called The Tree of Life, and guess what? It's just... It's just Life Day in the Chewbacca household, and Chewbacca's son breaks the, the family... Orb. Christmas tree topper, I mean life day orb. <laughs> yeah. Um and he replaces it with a bulb from the Millennium Falcon that Han Solo helps him get. And then Han Solo goes, Yeah, you did it, kid, and then Chewbacca goes, and it's life day. Yay. That's it. It's really just a chance for Han Solo to come in and like wink and finger gun. And also for you. them to be like Chewbacca's family, <laughs> even though there's no need for that at all. Alright, so those are all the stories. That's a very brief synopsis of these eight already brief stories. So let's talk about what was good about this. Um, <clears throat> all right. What was good about these stories, about this book? Good pictures. Yeah, actually, the illustrator, uh, Griffin? Grant Griffin? Yeah. Grant Griffin, bang up job on the illustrations. They are lovely. They're probably the best thing about this book. And the layout. Layout's good. 
Layout's good, very yeah. well designed. It's very appealing, eye-catching, like, good. Um, I think, like, even though the stories were cliche and very bad in a lot of ways, the um, they're at least decent and well-structured, like, you know, no typos, things flow well, people talk like people for the most part. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I was actually, you pointed this out in the notes, but the kindling started off with, like, this really good action part that was got my attention yeah. until the main character was like, let me tell you the story instead of dealing with your life-threatening wound. <laughs> but, yeah. You know, was, but my life <laughs> is kinda, ending right now. It kind of lost me there, but... I have, like, five minutes to left and you're taking up four of them with, <laughs> with this, this story. With this Moss story. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, decent read. There, there, were, there were even some vocabulary words that were okay in here. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was fine. I do think this book is for middle school age children perhaps yeah it feels like something you read to your kids yeah like elementary school children that's what this feels like yeah you want another holiday book to read to your kids and you want to get them excited so you're like hey it's holiday stories about star wars and they're like yay <sighs> does gel dongo show up yeah He's Don- no don galdo is don't <laughs> worry oh. um so I that might be the only stuff I have to say that's good about this. Like it was edited, the stories are, I mean, intelligible. I yeah. If you want really softball, vaguely Star Wars themed holiday, no, it's very Star Wars themed, but I guess vaguely holiday themed is the better no, way to say no it. No one wants the script. No one. Wants that's why. Yeah, like, I saw this. I was like, who <laughs> needs this? Who wants this? You know who needs and wants this. Disney, because they get to make money off of it. Right, like, that's their thing, is they're able to merchandise as extremely well, mm-hmm. as much as possible, and they know what to set. I mean, if it works, we bought it, right? So, well, but we yeah. bought it for a very specific purpose that is it, not for actual yes. intended enjoyment. Yes. Um, yeah, so it's it's just kind of really too bad, because given... The fact that there's all this other kind of extraneous Star Wars uh, world building out there because there's like all these novels about the extended Star Wars universe. I was expecting this to be way more creative and original, and it is just not. Yeah. That's... They don't even really go beyond Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like. The kindling story is vaguely Hanukkah. Or, yeah, Hanukkah or Diwali, some kind of light festival thing where the people are oppressed and there's lights that keep them keep their spirits up in the darkness yeah it's just sort of a a theme of either both hanukkah and diwali so i can't really tell you know but very akin to human being holidays celebrations winter celebrations that have happened yeah there's so much about winter and it's like what about plants that don't have snow yeah. Planets that have different cycles of seasons. There's only two stories in here that don't deal with snow. Um, it's the pilgrimage story, because, of course, we're going to go on a pilgrimage to the desert area because we're just going to make everything like current reality, even though this is space in a huge-ass galaxy. Like, what the fuck? And then the other one was the uh, the droid story, because that takes place in a desert on Tatooine with Jawas. So... But all the other ones are like, snow! And everything is basically an analog for Christmas, and you're like... All right, here, here's an example of how fucking unoriginal this is. It's like, oh, you know roasted chestnuts? No. On fucking Coruscant? Yes. We have roasted mickle nuts. 
You want eggnog? Now we got spiced egg milk. You know what? Is it is it Christmas time in New York City? No, it's Solstice Tide in Coruscant. Like, I mean, it's just so one to one. It's sad and like even the life day. So Coruscant has Solstice Tide, which is just Christmas. The the Wookiees have Life Day, which is just Christmas. Um, and then the Ghost Story is also Life Day. Um, fuck, what were the other ones called? Reflection Day is like it's like uh it's more like um that's a pilgrimage that's a religious no no what's what's the jewish holiday where uh rosh hashanah where you like think about your like what you can do better in the new year i think so oh fuck we should ask the jewish person in this house (laughs) presently (laughs) i've already fucked this up but um I think, I think that, yeah, it reminded me of that because it was like reflection day, you know, you gotta. But the point being is that there's all these different sorts of biologically different creatures that what might think or feel differently and that this has no effect and on you... holiday celebrations. It's all, I get, you know, holidays are when communities come together. That's right, sort of right. the vague point of all this and sure. But why would it all be sort of around it? I think it's supposed to be all around the same time galactically, which doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it doesn't. And, and, and on top of that, there's, like you said, the roasted nuts and the egg milk. It's, they, just put, they just put very stupid names on top of things <laughs> that already exist. There's and no unique holiday celebration no. about like the one species that communicates telepathically, so they have like some kind of weird like hive mind melding that year. Yeah, that would or, be way more interesting. Or you know, but it only happens every fifty rotations around the sun. That's still like a holiday celebration. Well, it wouldn't even be the sun because it's a galaxy, right? So they're not even all around in, in our solar system around the sun. Sure, they're... but like you know, whatever the rotation is on the right, particular mind right. meldy planet, it would yeah. be like actually 50 earth years that's what i mean it's like everything is relative to an earth-centric perspective when earth doesn't even exist i get that you know that's not the just come up with something a little bit more creative like what do the huts do and they mention the huts very like in the is it in the description at the beginning they're like the huts even have a day where for they're like for one day they they uh set aside the differences they don't shed blood and it's like Okay, where was the story about that? That but doesn't. What, but what is their holiday tradition where they do that? Are they like rubbing their tails together? Or they 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 put like you know a, a ribbon up around yeah. their nose because, or they put a false nose on because huts don't actually have a nose; they just have like nostrils or something. You know, yeah, just yeah, something that's know. not based on something that we do because they're an alien species that would have a completely different understanding of how. Yeah, there's just no, there's no real thinking here. It's just. Hey, what? It's like they were in the writing room and they were like, "All right, what? What do you got for tradition?" Someone was like, "Chestnuts." They're like, "All right, all right, chestnuts." Oh, eggnog. All right, yeah. And it's like all generally white Western Christian-ish people. And then there's you know the one person who's Jewish who's like, "Hey, what about the festival of lights?" They're like, "All right, fine. We'll put the lights in there." You what know? is? What's going on with the the species of creatures that just sit in Jawa's jar next to his thing? Go, yeah, like that guy. Like, what does he do for like salacious crumb? Yeah, salacious crumb. Wait, like, Salacious Crumb isn't in a jar. He's just. There. I thought he was in a jar, but yeah, he's there and he's like cackling and yeah, shit. Yeah, I like, want to know what Salacious Crumb's fucking holiday traditions are. And it can't just be like, oh well, we, we roast tinier nuts because we're tinier, <laughs> and they're called crumb nuts because <laughs> yeah. we have no fucking creative bones in our bodies. Like I, you know, okay, it's like Salacious Crumb every year, his culture, they have to go outside and run. In a zigzag pattern around yeah, the trees right. of the forest, to, because to remember how they escaped their oppressors, you know, decades ago or eons ago or whatever. Or no, no because uh, like their god is like a tree 
weaver. Like he likes to run between the trees and they, I don't know. This sure, is off the top of my head. Like it's just different, right? Like it's something different. Where's like, we also get no, there's no special foods. And the things they mention, like mickle nuts and spiced We're really on the mickle nuts here because it <laughs> well, cause they're so obviously just based on things that we have in the human earth world and it's just lame. And there are a bunch of things that they mention, but they're just words. They don't describe any of that. They're like, ah, oh, yes, the blubby blurbs and the and the roasted kicky cookies. And you're like, okay, if you're not going to describe to me what those foods are, like, if you're not even going to try to say, oh, I love, you know, I love when we have kickle cookie pie. It's so creamy and fruity with a <laughs> yeah. with a crisp bottom. Like, I love it. I mean, at least then. I can be like, oh, this is some kind of weird spaceberry pie. All right. Yeah. Like, like a key lime pie from space. Like, at least then I have some way to associate. There's a description associated with besides <laughs> yeah. just the word there. And I'm going like, well, you fucking figure it out. And, like, they do, and they do this. It's whatever you want it to be. Yeah. It's like fucking word soup for everything. So it's like this with the food. It's like this with, um, like I said, the, the humanoid species and non-humanoid species where they're talking about all these animals and you're like. Dude, you're not giving me a scent about what these things look like, so it literally doesn't matter. You didn't have to include it because guess what? There's no flavor if you're just saying, ah, yes, the Hosmabubs are are sure outside tonight. And you're like, I don't know if that's an insect, a mammal, something unimaginable to me. Like, you can't just say words. You have to actually attempt to describe it if you're going to world build. And it was just disappointing because Star Wars, again, I... I at least had the impression that there was sort of this much bigger world built for Star Wars with all these side novels, and then we get this. I will say that Disney did sort of wipe the slate clean, apparently, of most of the expanded universe, from my understanding. I think they kept in some stuff. Oh. But they were like, when they bought it out, they were like, nah, none of that. None of that's real. That doesn't happen. It's just what we decide now. Oh, well, I guess that explains it then. So this might be like an attempt to rebuild by having no actual effort put into any of. They, they'll, they'll just look at this book and be like, I don't know, put Mickle Nuts in the scene in the season two of the Mandalorian. <laughs> What's Mickle Nuts? I don't know. But take chestnuts and paint them blue. Whatever. What oh, yeah. Shit. <laughs> Print money here, Star yeah, Wars. Come on, yeah, come on, come on. We got families to feed. We got life day to celebrate. Come on. Yeah, so that's a good that's a general complaint. Um I think all the other complaints we have are more specific to each story. I think Hollow Snow is very indicative of the low level of creativity happening here. Why is Coruscant, a city that is planet-sized, sp- spending energy creating fake illusory snow that you can't touch or feel? Well, I think all right, so I think I think the hollow snow in, in croissant makes sense because it I might- like a nice croissant with some hollow snow. <laughs> yeah, it's delicious. <laughs> it sounds really. delicious. Uh, I think it makes sense because, all right, you got a planet-sized city. Imagine the cost of prep and snow cleanup every year. But why do you have to have any snow of any kind at all ever? Because it's white Western Christmas, Chris, <laughs> and that's all we that's all we can conceive of. So that's what I mean. It's like it's a completely useless thing to put. <laughs> like no planet size anywhere. Like yes, we need to spend the energy to create the illusion of snow because I don't, wh- why? <laughs> well, I think I, again, I think that so they establish that they basically have a a very advanced harp type system where they can control the weather. So I just think it makes sense to give people the nice feelings that they might have about snow 
but not but not have to spend all the Paris, money it, prepping and cleaning okay, for this it makes for sense a fucking if, planet if you, if you came city. to Coruscant from Earth and you remember the snow. If yeah. you've lived on Coruscant your whole life and before they turned the hollow snow on, you'd be like, the fuck is this? Like I <laughs> I don't know. I mean maybe yeah, I was wondering that too. I was like, wait, so did they have snow at one point? Like, what? Type I don't of planet think if this? you need to turn the hollow snow on. I don't think so. No, was- no, no, no. They, no, because they have like a harp, like weather control system. I understand. I'm saying, like, I assume that Coruscant never had snow. Why would you assume that? I don't know. Because, like, it's been a city planet for g- millennia. So there's a chance that they, there was a planet city before. I don't know. It just doesn't make sense. It- I, I guess it, you're right. They could have had snow before then. Then they're remembering the snow because they got rid of the snow. Yeah, because they were like, ah, oh, this fucking sucks to clean up and stuff. I mean, which, you know, I don't subscribe to. I am a snow lover. I would I would pay my taxes. But then you can't, like, crunch snow. into it. Yeah, it, it you're just sucks, You're just foot's right? going through it. And, like, you have to, like, kind of mentally calculate where your foot is in relation to the hologram because... <laughs> City, the <laughs> ERs are just full because everyone's breaking their ankles and the stuff. Yeah, because like I, the hollow snow looked fine, but there was a rock under there, and I twisted it funny. <laughs> or like, <laughs> yeah, kids want to throw snowballs, and they have to like get like their little Snoopy snow cone makers to like fucking make. Or is it? It never ice. actually creates a false image on the ground, so it's just particles in the air that are false, which would still kind of mess with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Hollow snow. How is it emitting everywhere? Is there like a projector on every fucking corner uh, vertice of the city entirely to project the light? I was wondering that too. How do they make universal hollow snow? (laughs) That's really, really strange. They also do hollow rain? I don't know. There must be moisture at some point. Yeah. But well, but if they're always controlling, the it would have made more sense if they were just like we put the snow on for this part of the year, like just yeah, regular the snow, regular snow, instead yeah. of making the energy of a false illusion of snow. But I still think it comes down to the cost of running a planet-sized <laughs> city, Chris. This is the practical, the practical person in me, which is my entire being. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna really argue hard for that. Okay, all right, <laughs> that's enough hollow snow. Hollow snow, more practical <laughs> for planet-sized cities. Moving on. Get your hollow snow for your planet-sized city. <laughs> we got a discount for bulk orders of hollow snow. Oh, all right. So now, so this. Sorry, we're we're talking about the the Coruscant Coruscant uh sol- solstice tide. Yes, a Coruscant solstice. That's where we're talking about hollow snow. Um, yeah. This this story just kind of really feels like. Law and order. Like, why are the Jedi's cops in this? I just, I don't like. I'm pretty sure. I don't know how. Again, I don't dive too deep into Star Wars lore, but I'm pretty sure the Jedi aren't low level law enforcement of petty thieves. Yeah, I really feel like. They're handling galactic level negotiations and shit, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I just really feel like this Jedi had more to do. Then be like, oh no, this kid stole some people's Christmas presents. Like, let me go hunt him fucking down in the sewers and like, or not the sewers, but the lower city. Yeah. You know, where the horror people live and, and find him. Like, what was he going to do when he found him? Because by the time he finds him, he starts feeling bad because he realizes that the kid is only stealing because he has no other fucking choice. Which, hey, it turns out that's usually the case for a lot of people, so if <laughs> yeah. you haven't considered that until now. Yeah, it's... I, I just don't know how you could already be 
that high level of a Jedi and not have that basic understanding of humanity. Yeah, just like, like alien society, right? Because it's not just humans. Like we actually don't know if this Jedi is human. You just all we know is that he has a beard. They don't tell us. Anything There's else. a Jedi on the cover in like a Coruscanty kind of looking thing, and he's a human being. So oh yeah, I think that is the. I think that is actually with that story. Yeah, I think you're right. That, but it doesn't really explicitly say. Yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, this is why is the Jedi bothering to? He he also says. I'm going to get all the stuff back and return it to every person that he stole it from. How are you going to find them when they were just passing through a crowd? I don't know, he's a Jedi, Jedi magic. Um, he can also sense that the kid wants to steal, and that's how he zeroes in on him in the first place. Yeah, and I didn't know that, I mean... He's just sensing the hunger pangs, and just... I, I understand that Jedi do have this ability to tap into how people feel around them and, like, make judgments based on that, so that that, that made sense to me. But, yeah, the whole idea that he was going to track everyone down, I was like, I guess he's going to track them down by sort of identifying their sadness over losing a particular object? What if it was just, like, 40 credits? Uh, like, <laughs> right? Like, oh, how did you get tracked down? 600 like 600 people lost 40 <laughs> credits today in the city, God damn it! <laughs> shit, I'm going to have to narrow it down more than that somehow. Oh, this this paragraph kind of perfectly sums up the ickiness I felt when I was reading this. Um, from his high vantage point, Stellan spotted the Gotal. He refers to the boy specifically with his, like, species, which is also weird. Stellan spotted the Gotal slipping down an alleyway between a luxury airspeeder showroom and Coruscant's oldest tailor. He wouldn't get far. Stellan would make sure everything he had stolen was returned to its rightful owner before handing the boy over to the security force. As Chancellor So often said, we are all the Republic. To steal from a fellow citizen, especially at this time of year, was the story. It was like as he's hunting him, and I was just like, look man, I'm not saying you should steal from people, but I'm saying that if you're a Jedi, and you see a kid stealing from people on a planet where there's great wealth disparity, why would you be like, I need to remedy this situation immediately? Like, don't you have... I don't know, some treaty to go fucking negotiate? I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It felt very petty and weird for and a Jedi the, to kill. Yeah, but at the <laughs> end, he's like, I'll take you to the temple and we'll help you earn more. He has, he has a change of heart, which is nice. You know, he's like, oh, I guess people stealing aren't bad. They're just, they just need help. And yeah, that's good. I'm glad he had that change of heart, but. The, uh, the job offer seems odd to me. It's got this very, like, we'll bootstraps you out of here. Yeah, kind of thing. It's really... like, why don't you create some kind of Jedi Temple program that can serve more people than just this one poor kid? It's, it's not bad that, he, you know, whatever, give the kid an opportunity. That's fine, but. Maybe think, yeah. Think like... a little bigger if you have that influence. Right. Like, you're this fancy ass Jedi who has all this power and prestige and privilege. Like, do something with it. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, all right. Moving next, on. Next one. Moving on to the an old hope. So, Droid Santa, kind of fun, That's, right? This one was fine. Yeah. My only question is, like, when the main, what was its name? Lisa? Risa? What was the main? I thought he was a number. I thought he. Was... Yeah, but it looked like when my eyes were parsing it as as Lari. It looks like Lari. It's L A R one. I was just calling it Lari the whole time. So Lari. Uh, are... I'm Lari the droid. I live in Tatooine, and I just got kidnapped by Jawas. <laughs> Join me for our fun adventures. When we. That's what that sounds like to me. Yeah, it it really does. Um. So 
Larry, Larry here, is, uh, you know, he's with all these droids, and they're all, you know, they're all kidnapped. That sucks. Like, they're like, fuck, I, I don't know. And Jawas have a, you know, have a tendency to not treat droids very well. They sell them to whoever. And oftentimes, they'll actually wipe their memories. So the droids are like, you know, I don't want to lose my memory. Like, who the fuck wants that? You know, you don't want to get your memory wiped. I mean, I guess some people do, but most droids don't. Um, and, you know, so they're all kind of scared. And there's this one droid who's just the real pessimist in the room who's like, I've been here forever. I know I'm going to find you. You're never going to go home. We're, we're going to die here. And they're just like, oh, shut up. You know, <laughs> whatever his name is, I forget. Um, and so anyway, this, you know, Larry is like, I don't know, guys, like, what about you know, all the hopeful droids are talking about droid Santa, which they call the oil bringer, basically. Well, the oil bringer, and, you know, he tries to get everyone's spirits up, and, of course, the crotchety robot is like, that, that doesn't make any logical sense, and they're all like, oh, yeah, I guess you're right, it doesn't really, because it's like, oh, he comes across the whole galaxy in one night to oil all droids everywhere. Like, it's so weird to me that droids, ostensibly built almost more logically and more logic-based than other creatures would have this blind spot about how that would make any sense. Yeah, it does seem like the droids in this story have more of a human personality. But I guess C-3PO did, too. Sure, but I, I, guess, yeah, I guess we have to accept that in the Star Wars universe that droids are sentient. They have all of the weird errors of computation and thinking that sentient seems to bring us. Well, I guess some of... I don't know, are they really sentient? That's what I mean. Like, again, the, the droids are very human-centered. They don't have a, w a different yeah. way of thinking about the oil bringer or something like that. Why don't they justify it with some kind of weird mathematical equation that someone made up once was like, well, technically, if he bent space-time in this, this way, we, he could probably make... You know, just like a weird droidy, overly mathy, computational way of thinking yeah, about right. this kind of thing would have added some droid flavor to this. And why do droids need hope? I mean, if like, <laughs> Paris, I mean, the droid hope crusher. Well, they're robots. They don't need it. <laughs> well, okay. Here's the thing. Like, I can understand something having personhood if it's not a human, right? Because personhood and humanity aren't always the same thing. I can get on a tangent about this another time. But I don't think that the Star Wars universe has really proved to us that droids are sentient. Because C-3PO always kind of seemed like it, but I think... Wasn't he asked about that in the movie? And he was like, no, I just made to appear that way so that it's like easier for humans to deal with me. Yeah, I'm sure there's some nerd out there that has an in-depth video essay about Turing <laughs> testing C-3PO, but... I just... It doesn't make I a whole lot of sense. say as if I'm not a nerd that deserves to be stuffed into every other locker out there. Yeah, well, look. Look, we all got different lockers to be stuffed into, okay? <laughs> like, you know, different floors of the building, different lockers, whatever. I'm gonna file you in 34C yeah. for liking Dungeons & Dragons a little bit too much. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. But, yeah, I just... I... Okay, I guess if we accept that these droids are sentient and have personalities that they develop on their own and they have feelings they seem to have feelings which is a thing i find kind of weird but i don't know i guess that's what we're working with here sure fine fine they need hope yeah because they're people now um so larry decides to be the nice guy and after everyone gets kind of downtrodden by logic while everyone else is asleep 
you know, everyone else is powered down. He come, he stays online and fixes everyone. So all of the droids were complaining about various problems they had. Like they all had these, um, they have this kind of like boot on them for, for droids. Like, <laughs> you know, like imagine your car, you get a boot on it. You can't drive. It's like the droids. They, they can't access certain functions to help them escape. So he's got this like droid boot or whatever. And then some of the other ones are like missing arms and things like that. So Larry's like, I'm going to give them some hope while they're all asleep. I'm going to fix them up. And when they wake up, you know, I'm going to say, oh, it must have been the oil bringer and they'll be happier. Of course, like right after he does this, the sand crawler gets hit by a giant sand elk, which was kind of cool, I guess. Um, and so everyone wakes up and they're like happy to be fixed, but they also have to run away from the sand elk and escape. But like, all right, I have questions. So while Larry's fixing everyone and they're asleep, how do they just like sleep through what is ostensibly surgery? Like having their arms attached and like, Things taken off their bodies and fixed and put back, but then the sand crawler falls over and they all wake up from that. And I'm like, what? yeah, it would have been one thing <laughs> if you had tried to sell it as when they go offline, they're fucking offline. Like you, it doesn't matter what happens. But if a sand crawler tipping over wakes them up, then ostensibly someone like going into your droid guts right. and rearranging them a little bit, you'd be like, oh, what's going on? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, unless they're like space heaters, like they only, they only turn on again when they fall over. You know how, like, space heaters will turn off if they actually fall all, all over onto their side? I think that's a very nice space heater. I think most space heaters I've seen will just continue <laughs> to heat. Uh, no, that that was, that safety mechanism has been in place for years after people, like, houses caught on fire and shit from faulty space heaters. Glad to hear that. Yeah. Um, so, I, I do wonder that, like, are they, do they kind of have this fail-safe where if they make it a full 180 or 90 degree, if they make it a full 90 degrees in any direction, they turn on for their own safety. I guess we'll have to just live but with like, that. But, like, wouldn't you also be like, hey, if someone's in your guts, you should turn on. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, that, that didn't make sense. Um, yeah. I don't know. There's really, I mean, you know, then the oil bringer does show up and he helps Larry out, right? Like, that's yeah, the they Yeah, they all get free and that was the one story that was kind of okay. Um, I, that was the one, actually, the one story where they put a lot of detail into describing the Sandel, which was cool and really helped that story, I think. Now we get to Space Hanukkah. Uh, or Space Diwali Nika. Diwali Nika. Hanawali? Hanatwilekakodili. We already talked about this earlier, but. Yeah, just the idea that this this person needs to tell this long folk tale and explain why this moss is combustible while their friend is dying from a bullet wound or a laser wound is just silly. I don't tell him later after just like, hey, get all this moss. I'll rub it together. We'll create a distraction, and yeah. then they get away. And when they're flying away on the spaceship, she can go. Actually, it's because I knew this because of the legends of my home world. And right. I guess this is actually the most laid out, like, this is the most laid out and creative holiday thing happening here because True. it's based entirely around, well, you know, this specific event happened, but it's still, it's just, it, it's just Hanukkah. Yeah. It's, it's just what the Hanukkah story is. It, well, kind of. It's, it's just about how light banishes darkness, but there are some elements to it that don't make sense. Like, even though this is the most fleshed out holiday tradition story we get there's still many moments of what like wh <laughs> huh? why is the sith afraid of the moss fire 
Why is the Sith afraid of fire? I did not know. Well, here's the thing. The first set of fires that he was afraid of were just regular ass fires. <laughs> and then, but then he comes and he just extinguishes. Okay, this is very similar to the sort of truth where this guy is campaigning on the platform of no fire ever. <laughs> this Sith Lord comes in and is like, no fire. Fire is done. So he uses the Sith powers to extinguish all fire and then says, you know what? You don't even get the sun either and blots out the fucking sun on this planet. So no heat, no light, no sun. First of all, how is anyone productive on this world? If you're enslaving people, they kind of need light yeah, to also do things. <laughs> I, I just, I don't know what to tell you, just man. Everyone bumping into each other all the time yeah, on this, this planet. This even you, impactful. when you're coming over here to do your oppressing stuff, you're going to stub the toe. Yeah. Like, a lot if the sun is out all the time. It would be one thing if they said, and then he gave everyone night vision goggles, I would have been like, fine, but they don't explain that. It's just, you're in perpetual darkness in with species that don't have night vision. I don't think. It really also feels like it would throw off the ecosystem and, like, the crop growing, <laughs> like, yeah. a, just a little bit. Yeah, quite a bit. <laughs> quite a bit. So, yeah, so just this wholly impractical, you know move against fire or light of any kind like this sith dude even went so far as to be like all your candles are cursed when you light them it's black light and they were like god fucking damn it you can't even have candles inside it's like no i told you no light but then the the special moss is different enough for him to not be able to extinguish it yeah so i guess because there's magnesium in this moss when they when you strike rocks and set it aflame, the magnesium in the fire makes it long-burning and stronger, and I guess even when you're a very powerful Sith Lord that can blot out the sun, you, you can't fight this moss fire. I don't, I don't know. That's, that seems like a shitty... That's Darth Bengus right there. He's kind of <laughs> shitty Sith Lord. Uh, I, I... I almost launched into a Gungan Darth Bengus <laughs> impression, but that's just... Too close. To yeah, I I really the other thing that gets me about this is like telling me a Sith Lord is really afraid of bonfires just kind of undercuts how scary this guy <laughs> yeah, is supposed yeah, to be. It's like I mean everybody just like, wave a torch at him and chase him off. Yeah, it just seems kind of silly. <laughs> if I waved a torch in front of Palpatine, do you think he would have cared? Yeah, like, eh, yeah. I stop. I don't. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, and then the the further weird point is. This Sith Lord who's afraid of fire lives in a wooden tower. They specifically <laughs> point out that when he's on the planet that he's enslaving. The he most lives vulnerable to fire structure in possible. A wooden tower. Like, what? You came in a spaceship. I assume you can bring some other materials <laughs> <Yeah>. to. <laughs> or, I don't know, stay in the spaceship. Maybe, you know, it's fine. I, yeah, Observe it's, from above. Yeah, like, it's so fucking stupid. Anyway, I think that's fine. That's fine. So that was kind of it. It's like this one woman salad lady. What was Saldana? Solana? <laughs> I think it's Fanya. No, Fanya's the main character. Salon- Solana was the one <laughs> yeah, who was Solange like. Yeah, Solange from. <laughs> fuck. Solana was the one who was like the older lady who found the moss and who. She became Apparently, the she moss became the dealer. Moss. Yeah, she was the-, like the weed lady. <laughs> She's the hookup. I, yeah, I thought this was... I literally went... All right, I'm not going to lie to you. When Fania started scraping the moss off the tree and was like, no, nah, I got to tell you something. And he was like, I'm dying. She's like, no, no, no it's going to matter. I was like, oh, she's going to give him like this healing. Like, they're going to smoke the fucking moss weed and it's going to heal him. And then it just wasn't that. And I was like, wait. <laughs> I don't understand why you would 
why this is happening. But fine, in my blood. <laughs> <laughs> it's leaking out of me. Um, sorry. I've... Anyway, the older woman who found the moss and, like, figured out that it was, like, cool guy moss, I guess, she tore all of her clothing and cloaks and sheets and made little pouches of the moss for everyone in their whole society so that they could go and make huge bonfires and drive the Sith Lord away. In but... the dark, too, I might add. You ever try to sew in the dark, Paris? Yeah. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> Ow. Ow. <laughs> yeah. I would just really like to know how this society functioned in complete darkness at all times. It does not make any fucking sense. Oh, all right. That one, yeah, it's got some, some holes. Cheesecloth over there. Um, oh, and then oh, this next one. So the Krulok is the next story, you know, where the Ewok kids are, are they, you know, the elder try to scare them out of venturing out into the snowstorm because they don't want them to get hurt and they go out anyway and you know their friends try to scare them and then the elders scare them and um yeah so the moral of this story if you're telling it to your children is hey you know that dangerous thing we're telling you not to do just do it anyway because it's fake like (laughs) why is this what else why is this story in here the only connection to halt they're like oh we're gonna have a feast and it only snows once in a while on Endor, so, like, yay, it's snowing, it's kind of cool. But the story is just... Yeah, why does holiday have to be special snow time, right? I don't the holiday know. could be during any, like, any, your gathering community holiday, which is, I suppose, the most of the point of this book. But, like, it doesn't have to be during snow time. But, Chris, we gotta sell it during the Christmas season on Earth yeah. to humans. <laughs> Shit. So... Maybe it's like the really rainy season on Endor, so you or the the moon of Endor, so that you still get like people have to be inside a lot. That effect, right? That's kind yeah. of one part of the winter holiday thing. Yeah, too. and maybe we could get Ewoks worshiping fucking nature gods and shit because that kind of seems like their deal. Like, why don't we get some kind of sacrifice thing or something? I mean, like the Wicker Man. Even that's still based kind of on human stuff. I think, like, I don't know, like, some weird tradition, like, oh, well, we shave a patch of our fur off and we, like, exchange fur <laughs> and tape it to each other. Yeah, I mean, anything at this it's point. It's, like, different. Just, like, something different. We all go through our ritual shaving. Yeah. And then we all, and then we all ritually weave that hair together into a big rug. And it goes in the middle of our just, treehouse. Just, you know, something that doesn't have a basis in yeah. what humans do. Ritual shaving and hair weaving. And like, you'd be like, oh, that's weird. Why would you put that? Because they're aliens and they're different. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I, that story felt real. It, it wasn't heartwarming. Again, the message is, hey, if anyone ever warns you not to do something, just remember they're tricking you. And you should definitely do whatever irresponsible <laughs> shit you planned. And like, I just don't know why that is a message you want. In a holiday book? I think it was just supposed to be, like, a funny story. Like, and then the the village elder and his fuck buddy were, like, tricking them all along. It kind of did feel to me like those two were, like... Oh, the elders? Yeah, they were probably, probably banging it out there. <laughs> it's actually how they came up with the crew lock sound. They were, yeah. like, it's like someone heard that. Oh, like, that's the, the crew lock. Yeah, and they just ran with it. <laughs> um, I, I totally believe that. <laughs> um, yeah, so... And, and, you know, I'm not saying that Every story has to be heartwarming, but if you're like, this is a story, or sorry, this is a collection of cozy holiday stories, usually that means it's about, yeah, heartwarming shit, like, realizing that you're an asshole cop, and maybe you misread this kid, and now you're like, oh, I actually want to help him, instead of 
arresting him. Cool. Like, I don't know. I've, I've found a way to find a kinship with this family member that I thought I always disliked or something. And we shared a meal together and found common ground. And now I really appreciate them. Or I don't know. Someone got me a gift. I... I didn't like, but then I found out why they got it for me and it made me, you know, I understood they really cared about me. Like, there's all these different messages, you know, or maybe, you know what would have been nice? If we had two people from different space holiday traditions clashing and, you know, sharing in their traditions together and kind of getting over yeah, their weird version they, they of each other. they combine the holidays, so, like, you know... The, Fucking space Kwanzaa, that's what I... Yeah, so, like, the that. Ewoks, they, he shaves his first, so the, the, uh, the human shaves his head and, like, trades it with the yeah, Ewok. And, right. That and the Ewok's, been... like, gifts during the winter. Why would you do that? Resources are scarce. But yeah. Like, it, yeah. So, but then he, they exchange things and, you know... Yeah, that would have... That's great. And you just came up with, like, anything like that would have been better than... We can come up with all these stories about space knights and call them spammels, like, like have all these millions of different alien races, but you can't come up with like anything non-human centric that has some sort of relation to well, what people do. It's not even human. It's also just like what kind of white Western Christian ideals. You know, I know that's a, that's very vague, but you know the hegemony. Like, yes. it's all about that, and it's like, dude, the fucking world is so much bigger than that. Now you're telling me the galaxy is also like this. I want to die. Yeah. <laughs> the case take me out of the game like i'm done <laughs> um uh, all right so now we're gonna move on to uh fucking winter's heart i believe i'm nuts over here from fuck is happening winter's heart where a story about <laughs> oh the, hey oh, if the you, song of winter's heart if your childhood friend happens to be part of the fascist oppressor force and you meet them on the battlefield during the winter time just hang it out Sign it out and play a couple snow games together. Then go your separate ways. <laughs> like the the play, our homeworld blew the fuck up, bro. Like yeah, yeah, like it's not even like this. You know, we're not talking oh political difference. Like the Empire blew up Alderaan. Spoiler <laughs> alert: If you have not seen a Star Wars, if you have not seen a Star War, the planet of Alderaan, upon which the story is focused, was blown up by the Empire, and this guy. Like, to be clear, the planet was full of people. Yes. Billions of people. <laughs> um, and, you know, this dude who was from Alderaan, who joined the Imperial Forces, was, like, cool with that happening. He didn't really seem to be that beat up about it. Like, he was like, I'm just working for the Empire, man. I just need to do anything. Yeah. And, and Rel, like, he just, basically, Rel tries to bring, uh, yeah, Rel, he's the one that is the rebel trooper, he yeah, tries Rel's to bring it up, and Max is like, I don't want to talk about it, and then they don't, and no progress yeah. is made, and they just play this snow games game. together, and they laugh and giggle and wrestle, or whatever the fuck they were doing. Well, to me, this story also, I thought they were, like, love interests, like, I thought they were, like, into each other, because they, okay, let me read from the text, so I don't, you know, so you don't think I'm talking out of my asshole here. Um. It says, let's see, so there's a scene from when they're kids, and when they're little boys together, they are playing in the snow, and um, they sing, uh, I have no idea what the melody is for this, so excuse me while I just make something up. Uh, when bells, they chime in winter's gloom, gather all, gather, and hear their tune. 
for winter's heart calls out for thee. To rest, make merry, and feast with glee. To banish ills and gloom and fear, and keep your loved one close and near. Also, we're still writing in rhyming couplets in millions of years in fucking space. We haven't figured out a different art no, form we or way we to manipulate prose. <clears throat> these are these are rhyming couplets. Yeah, they are. Uh, um, yeah, sorry, I actually didn't even sing that because I... <laughs> I'm imagining you correcting yourself because someone has to pipe in up on, on the YouTube comments like, actually, it's a rhyming truplet. Uh, gloom, tune, the glee. Yeah, those are rhyming couplets, sorry. I just wanted to make sure, but, um, yeah, so, uh, oh, for winter's heart would have us see the true heart of winter is you and me. The boys finish triumphantly, pointing at one another and laughing, and then they, like, have a big hug. And then when they're 18 and they meet on the fucking sky rail or whatever, um, you know, Rel hears Max singing it or hears someone singing it. And then, like, they end up seeing each other and they just have this, like, this hug sequence that feels... It feels like they love each other in a way that's more than uh presented. Which is fine, but then they don't do anything with it. Before he could say anything, Max grabbed him up in a final hug. Remember, the true heart of winter. You and me, finished Rel weakly, wishing he had time to say more. Always will be, said Max, joining the bustling crowd. No matter what. Be seeing you, Rel. Happy winter part. Then he... I just feel like that, that felt a little more intimate than, like, Two kids who used to have like snowball fights together, I guess. And it also feels that way again when they meet on the battlefield later. So there's like clearly this very deep connection, whether it's romantic or not. But yeah, they just never actually talk about this. And I don't know, maybe you can't actually, Chris, you know, I know we were really upset about the stormtrooper guy, but can you, can you like leave? After you become a stormtrooper, can you be like, ah, put him at two weeks? Maybe I don't, you can't. Yeah, that, I don't know. Maybe you can't. I don't know that part about Star. Like, you know, it's like, I, let's assume that you can't or something. It doesn't seem like that because he's like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna join up and join the army. It seems very casual about it. Yeah, like this is just a good job. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know, but I never got the impression in the Star Wars movies that you could just be like. I'm gonna quit. Well, we don't really ever dive too deep into the stormtroopers' lives, lives in the in the movies. They're they're just fodder that can't aim right. Like that's about as far as it goes. Well, no, in the newer films, there's a there's a stormtrooper that changes sides. I forget. Yeah, but you don't get much of the how do you become a stormtrooper? Like, is it okay? Uh, I don't remember. I'm not. I'm not that enmeshed in the Star Wars. Point being, like, I don't know, man. It, it for something that could have do- could have dug a little deeper into yeah. this kind of thing happening, and maybe finding your finding some not it, common it ground. Literally, like, could have been all it could have been was, yeah. I was like Max could have been like, yeah. I was fucking devastated when Alderaan was exploded, but I can't quit my job. Like, I'm not allowed to. I was told I'd be killed if I left. Or, or I can't because I have three children now and a wife, and if I leave, no one will hire me because I was a stormtrooper. Like, if they had given any explanation at all to show the nuance and complexity of how these things can actually happen to people, 
it would have been fine. But instead, they were like, no, we're not going to talk about it. Let's play Parcheesi in the snow. <laughs> and it's like, fuck off. Yeah. Like, Jesus, you only had to write a couple more lines, maybe like two more paragraphs, and the story would have actually grappled with a difficult yeah. topic. Also, Rel, who joined the Rebel, the Rebel Army, <laughs> kind of lets Max off the hook about it, like, yeah. really quickly. It's just like, you know, okay, I guess you just work for the oppressor. Uh, happy holidays. See you later. <laughs> it's really weird. Oh, yeah, I that story at the beginning felt like I was trapped inside a Hallmark movie that like where like I had no agency and couldn't even kill anyone there to ease my suffering. So, yeah, it was not great. All right. Now, um, we can talk about being ghost lit. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, the spirit of life day, also known as ghost lighting, the story <laughs> like. All right. We, we are. We, I guess we kind of already touched upon this. when We were giving the summaries earlier, but. Have your town... Alright, so for one, you live in a town that only gets super haunted on one day. Just leave. Just leave for the day. Yeah, Go on a, a day trip. trip. <laughs> Go on a weekend trip. Leave. It's, <laughs> it's that hard? You can just hit the bricks, as that one meme <laughs> has told me many times. <laughs> I mean, and, you know, if you're like, oh, I'm sure, you know, maybe they don't have the money they could use their feet to walk beyond the town line yeah. and go next door. They could get on a uh, spammel yeah. And go to the next town. They could. It's do a one day. We, you know, even if you're poor, you're saving up all year just to not have to deal with this bullshit. Not have to literally sit through a massacre, a ghost massacre. Like, that seems real unpleasant. It's I don't... very localized, too. It's, it's not a planet wide kind of thing. Just this one town. Here's a question Imagine if just like Here's Medford was haunted one night. <laughs> every year right do you think everyone there would just chill inside for a no no i don't i think they would all come to somerville or everett or Cambridge. honestly you could also probably get some tourism out of it right like why right. don't you just come to our super haunted town check this shit out five hundred dollars oh my god dude everyone leaves town and they finance it by renting their shit out that night yeah there you go there you go so I mean, problem solved. Oh, you, you guys, guys ghost hunters, eh? Airbnb the whole ass town. Just come on, come on in. The ultimate ghost hunting experience. You don't even have to hunt that hard. They're just out there screaming. And, you know, honestly, they could make a whole weekend out of it because, you know, people got to come in the day before, get all their food and drink settled because the whole town's going to be gone. So, like, you know, pretty, pretty decent money here. Come on, come on. Enterprise. Enterprise. <laughs> Okay, but on top of the, that's not even the most egregious thing, even though it's a very obvious solution. To it. <laughs> yeah, right. So my, all right, so here's my other question, too. All right, so, like, observation one, if you want, if the haunting is so localized that you can leave the area and do it. Uh, observation two, there, okay, so this massacre happened during the Clone Wars, and I presume, although I have not watched the TV show, the Clone Wars must have happened on many planets. Yes. Okay. Galactic level. So, question. Do these ghost massacres happen constantly in different towns all across the galaxy? No, it says in the beginning of the story, it's like there's one place in the entire galaxy where Life Day isn't celebrated because it's a shitty haunting day. But that's on Life Day. But the, clone, the clones didn't massacre people only on Life Day. Over here they did. No, no. And the massacre happened on the Life Day... But okay, Chris. Oh, fuck. I don't know how. I don't know how I'm not enunciating this like articulating this correctly. But all right, when you're like massacring people 
in a war. You don't just do it once on one prescribed day a year. So I'm saying during the Clone Wars, there were probably many massacres on many different days. So are there just towns all over the place that just have the same problem? I, this one just had the most ghost juice in the air? Or like, <laughs> I suppose is is the only explanation. I don't know. They, they were at the PowerPoint. I don't know. What's that? The ley line or something uh. of, the, of the galaxy. Because, yes, then this would have been happening everywhere, and the whole Star Wars universe would be hella haunted. No, it's an extremely localized, only here yeah, but, haunting. All right, all right. So it seems like my only explanation for this is that because it happened on a holiday, it was extra traumatic, and therefore there was, like, more ghost juice yes. to, like, pump up the haunting. Yes. Right? Okay. All right. So that's what we're going with. All right. <clears throat> now. Okay. Third observation. How are androids ghosts? It does say that there are droid ghosts, right? Like they, they're, then, they're coming and they're then shooting. There's a, but then there's a ghost ghost that says, oh, the droids aren't even ghosts. But then it's like, well, then why are they appearing as ghostly? <laughs> All right. How can, it, how can androids be ghosts? I, actually, this might help answer our question. Androids must be sentient because they are ghosts. I suppose that's all the proof you need, right? <laughs> yes. But then, so I was like, okay. I was like, all right, I've worked this out in my mind. This answers both questions. Like, you know. Um, but then, when our young protagonist, uh, I believe the only uh, woman or non-man to be our, our protagonist in a story, you know, she... All right, sorry, I forgot the setup, but I think we talked about it earlier. But um, she... Uh, her pet escapes... Space dog, I've yeah. called a wolf something. Spog. Yeah, space dog escapes, and she's like, oh no, I can't leave my space dog in the ghost massacre. It's like, why not? The, what are the ghosts gonna kill the space dog? Like, nothing. They. By the way, there's no understanding of why people are afraid of the ghost massacre because the ghosts have never killed anyone or anything or destroyed anything. I mean, it's disturbing to watch, surely, but it, I mean, nothing's gonna happen to you. Like, so anyway... The parents are like, nope, that, that dog's lost forever. We'll get you a new one. And she's like, no, you don't understand. I want that space dog. And they're like, no, honey, you can't. But of course, she sneaks out. She finds the dog where she thinks he is. And then um, they encounter a ghost in this building that she's hiding in. And the ghost, I'm going to flip to this section. It just like, grabs her. Emmy. Emmy is her name. Uh, let me just read the passage where this all happens because it uh, really rose me so so she is hiding and then a wispy form floods under the door and takes form and it takes the form of a stoop backed bith which i read as a stoop backed bitch of course because it's one letter off from bitch why would you do that um a stoop backed bith that moans at her and it seemed to be looking for her in this workshop she's hiding in uh, you know, she's really scared with her little space dog. She's like, oh no, I'm gonna die. And then she's gonna, she feels like she thinks she's gonna get trapped in this, like, you know, to relive this massacre as a ghost. Um, and then she thinks her family's gonna get attacked. The girl's having, like, a panic attack about being a ghost. Um, so the ghost rushes at her from across the room and kind of sweeps over her. And then she realizes nothing has happened and she opens her eyes and, you know, 
she realized that she kind of wakes up and walks out and realizes that she's kind of like in the not simulation but in like the reenactment and it's very real it's no longer ghostly it's like she's actually in it um <clears throat> and then that same ghost who kind of set this in motion she encounters again in the street and he holds up a hand kind of urging her to stop but then she's scared and she runs away from him and then he appears again and she's like oh fuck he's there again i guess i better stop so then they talk and he she says leave me alone and he says why are you so scared I don't know, dude, you just put me in the middle of a very realistic reenactment of a massacre. That might be why I'm scared. I guess you're stupid when you're a ghost as well, because you don't have a brain anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, so, it says, Emmy stared at him with a mix of horror and disbelief. Isn't it obvious, she shouted? And her voice sounded as though it was coming from a thousand miles away. The Biff shook his head. No, not you. The town. Why is everyone so scared? Emmy swallowed. Because every life day, you come for us to drag us from our homes and make us all like you, he said. Because of the horrible thing that happened to you here on this day. He gestured at the battle going on all around them. That's why we're scared. Confusion creased the Bith's bulbous forehead. We're not here to scare you. What? Until the droids came, this was our happiest day of the year. The scene shifted once more. The massacre was gone. Placed with dancing and laughter, a band playing in the square and voices raised in song. Every year, we would celebrate and share joy with our families and friends, the Bith explained, as one vision of Life Day followed another, each more joyous than the last. Kaleidoscope. Jubilation and happy. But now, all you do is hide yourselves away, locking your doors to your neighbors. That is why we visit you. To remind you to live. What about the droids? asked Emmy, barely able to stay on her feet as the town spun around her. Why do their ghosts come too? They don't, said the Bith. The droids were never alive, so they can't really have ghosts, can they? He made a noise that might have been a chuckle. Only one thing haunts the people of Ode's town. Your grief. You dwell on what was rather than what will be, conjuring the battle because of your sadness and fear. You're saying all of this is because of us? Because of the way we see you? Said Emmy. But the Bith's reply was lost amongst the swirling visions of celebrations past, the images blurring, mixing with the sounds of explosions and blaster fire. Wait, Emmy cried, reaching out a hand to steady herself, but all at once the shadows of the past were gone, as was the Bith. Emmy found herself still in the shell of the old pildroid, clutching Hecta to her chest. Outside in the streets, the sound of the ghostly battle raged on, but now she knew what she had to do. So then she just runs to her everyone, and she's like, everyone, open your doors, it's life day, everything's fine. So... All right, so this ghost, fuck ghost litter, right? Like he was like, there are no ghost droids. It's your problem. These aren't the ghost droids you're looking for. Yeah. Also, like, well, if you weren't so sad all the time, maybe we wouldn't be so mean. Yeah, I just don't under. I mean, and to be to be clear, like the depictions given of the ghosts and the replay of the massacre are terrifying. Like. These ghosts are clawing at doors and screaming and being murdered. Like, look, dude, I don't really buy this. <laughs> I think this ghost is full of shit. I think that he's fucking with her because that's what you do as a ghost for entertainment. You know, it's the one year you come back, you got to do something for fun instead of just get relive your own murder. I mean, to be like, no, it's your fault that we look evil. Like, get out of here. It's just, it doesn't make any fucking sense. I don't understand how this even ghost mechanic works here. Where it's your cognition 
of the events that happened years ago affects how the ghosts act? And affects what appear as ghosts? I, be- I think he's basically saying that he's saying there are no ghosts. It's like a collective poltergeist, but then he is a ghost? So I... Also, the droids aren't alive, so they can't be ghosts, but then, like, aren't the droids sentient? I, I think it's like the uh, the ghosts are just of the non-droids being killed, and you can hear the blaster fire. Even wait, is the blaster fire go? Is it just the audio? Is it audio ghosts? No, there is a section right before the part I read where she watches blaster fire take out the side of a house. So like, so there was a ghost laser. A ghost laser. This I don't know who wrote this story, but. Like, Sir Ma'am or Them, like, you <laughs> did not do a good job. This makes no sense. If you needed to write a ghost story, I mean, you live in this universe, like, this universe has the Force, which is a magical There are spirit Force field. ghosts. Yeah, there are so Force like, ghosts, specifically. So there could have been regular ghosts, and it just didn't, none of this fit together very well, is my point. Oh, man. All right, and then, oh, we got two more. Two more stories. Two more stories. All right. I um, mean, I don't think we even need to talk about the next one. That, like, this <laughs> well, is old TBC ground. Yeah, all right. We're coming back day. to our pilgrimage and yes. reflecting on how it's a dumb story if the point of the story is then I found a partner. Well, I think it's okay if, that story, if that's the story, if it has depth and nuance. Yeah, like, and you've like, if you're, like, you're with them for a long time, right, and, and you see how like they interact with each other, and how they gave each other's lives meaning. Right, and you understand how that relationship really improved both of their lives, or meant something to them. Honestly, I would even take a story where their lives maybe weren't, and, you know, maybe it was not a positive outcome, but if it had, again... The depth and nuance of actual human relationships and connection. If it had an actual effect on anyone's life in the story. Yeah, it'd be great. But instead, <laughs> like, the, I mean, I think the main issue with a lot of these stories is that they're so short that it does. I mean, that's why that's why the only one that really works is the Santa droid thing, because it's just a simple concept. Yeah. It's like, but even then, you could you could have been with these two running into each other a bunch or like, you know, at, you know, they get together on this one reflection day thing and then later on they keep doing the reflection day and it's like oh you know periodically they come back every five cycles and they're they're reflecting on how far they've come and you see the relationship build one time there's a hard part and they were on the you know on a rocky area in their relationship like something developing but the whole story is and then he ran into this lady like three times and that's weird so then when he saw her in the mirror he's like well i guess i gotta marry her like what? Yeah, he doesn't say I, that, but that, that's the point. Like, that's what they're getting to, essentially. Yeah, because you're supposed to look look in the mirror and see your purpose in life. So, I, mm. I don't know if this guy uh, was such a loser and he didn't have anything to do because his dad sent him on the pilgrimage to figure something out. and He just sees a lady. He's like, oh well, I guess I'll just make her the point of my life. I don't. You're not really a healthy step there, bro. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah and also if the idea is like. Well, the purpose of my life is this woman, and now I believe in the force because I met this woman. I, I don't know. Force boner. So, like, okay, there was okay. a Jedi off screen just, like, <laughs> massaging his nuts a little bit with yeah. the force. <laughs> no. All right. I will say, we are dealing with a universe where are the for- force prostitutes in oh, Star Wars? Oh. <laughs> 
I don't understand what you mean. <laughs> like, like, like people who can who can force fuck you. Yes, like you know, like remember in Power Mage, I was like, why wasn't there like a telekinetic hand job or something? <laughs> yeah, that, I'm just. This is a sidebar. This has nothing to do with yeah, anything. Sorry, this <laughs> si- sorry, sex sidebar. Um, I, we don't need to talk about that. But you, no, no, no. But I, I think <laughs> no, now a, you do. No, I mean, Chris, you know me. You can't bring something up without me talking about it. So, I. I mean, no, I don't think so, because anybody who can control the Force is a Jedi, right? Not or, all or, the time. The Princess Leia is understood to be a little bit Force-capable, but she was never part of like, she just never trained. She right? does it unconsciously, that kind yeah. of thing. So there must be someone out there that, like, figured out that they can rub a nutsack from afar or, like, pinch well, a nipple. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, the Force, I mean, you would hopefully be a... A better lover if you had the connection to the force because you can read and interpret you like you interpret and sense people's emotions better yeah there you go that's uh, just that not even like telekinesis so jedi sex best sex <laughs> <laughs> all right this has nothing right? to do with that <laughs> okay yeah sorry anyway yeah reflection day uh sorry that's sorry i before we before we went into sex sidebar i was going to say there is a part in this section in this in this story where Zalu or Zulo, whatever the fuck is, oh, what is his name? Zalo. Zalo, um, says, "I don't believe in that force nonsense." And I'm like, "Dude, you live in a world where like magic is demonstrated to you via the Jedi and the dark, the Darth Lord, Sith Lord, Sith fuck. It, Lord, are, are Lord. all are all the, no, 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 that's not right, no, no, because no. evil Jedi aren't always Siths because Siths are a species. No, right? No." No. No. I Evil Jedi are Sith and they could be of any species. Oh, I had that turned around in my mind. Okay. Yes. Sorry. Thank you for clearing that up for me. Um So Yeah, I just I don't really know how you can be like, I don't believe in this magic stuff when there's like magic happening all around you all the time. It's just kind of bizarre. Because he's never seen it with his own eyes, he doesn't believe it, maybe. I yeah, I I guess, but I've always gotten the impression with Star Wars that I mean, Jedi... They're super high level in, like, like the exist. functioning galactic government and shit. I mean, they yeah. were, like, routed and, like, destroyed because of the execute order 66 and, like, and all that. But, like, even then... Yeah, like, I know there was a Jedi cleansing, but, like, the Sith also still exists. And, like, Darth Vader, who was the head of the Imperial Forces, had crazy, like, force magic, right? So Yeah, I don't think Darth Vader's a secret. Or Palpatine, or any of that stuff. I think Palpatine wasn't telling everyone that he had force powers. He was just the emperor. He was elected emperor. Mm. But, I, I mean, like, Darth Vader definitely is not a secret. Yeah, it just doesn't... But maybe you're right. I mean, we are talking, you know, many planets, systems, like, a whole galaxy here. So, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe this stuff is so rare that there are a lot of people who only ever hear about it, read about it. I don't know. I still, but he still, still felt. This is the son of clearly a wealthy enough individual to send him on a pilgrimage across the galaxy. Right. He probably has heard. It's not super backwater or anything. Like it's not reaching him. Right. Yeah. So a little strange. Okay. Last story: the Tree of Life. Oh boy, what's this gonna be? What's this gonna be? It's just, it's just a Wookiee Christmas. Yeah. It's really He breaks bad. the ornament, and the family's like, ah, it's fine. The memories are important. And Han Solo goes, you're not a good kid. And the end. Here, have a, have a light bulb from the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> That's literally what happens. 
I don't think, but like I've never in the Millennium <laughs> Falcon, the lights aren't bulbs, right? They're just like usually long strip like kind of things. Like you see, oh, you would see. Chris, go to the internet. Go to the internet. <laughs> go to the internet. We gotta talk about. Because not like a fucking like you know. I was also wondering like, that. I was like, are there light bulbs? Yeah, like, like is... not your classic like I had an idea over the head like light bulb thing is like you don't see that in the Millennium All right, Falcon. Alright, bring up, bring up some interiors of the Millennium Falcon. We need to investigate this because <laughs> I also felt it was odd. Okay, alright. And so yeah, so all the story is is Chewbacca's family is like, oh no, dad's away on a mission and the mom is like, we're still gonna have a good day, but the kid kind of doesn't care and just on his like space iPad the whole time. And the mom's like, oh, but I got to get the special ornaments. So she gets the special like glass ornaments with like a light inside of them. And, you know, they're they're going to the celebration to put them on the life tree, the fucking Christmas tree. And then Chewbacca and Han Solo show up and everyone's like, oh, Chewbacca's back for Christmas. I mean, life day. Yay. And Han yeah, Solo's it, it, here, too. And and, you know, the kid breaks the ornament. and He's really mad. And then it's like floor rim long style bulb lighting. Uh, Yeah, we're looking at interiors of the Millennium Falcon and we are not seeing glass orb light bulbs that you could unscrew. So this is like a practical error in the text, <laughs> I believe, which kind of ruins the whole story. Wow, this is like a true level <laughs> Star Wars nerd where like, actually, they wouldn't have circular bulbs on the Millennium Falcon. I don't... All right. Well, wait a second. You're on eBay. Let me... <laughs> yeah, it's eBay and Millennium Falcon. It was just like the image that comes up, but like all of the other images, they have like the, like I said, like target ass long lights. You know what I'm talking about. All right, about. people, if you can find a globe-shaped light bulb on the Millennium Falcon, we want to hear from you because we think that There's this is one, a There's uh, like, one next to that couch that they have on the Millennium Falcon, you know, like the couch where like Chewbacca plays the, like the hologram fighting game or whatever. There's one thing that's like around the rim of the upper part of the couch, but that's just like a That's a cylinder. That's not a globe. Yeah, but yeah, but it's like it's a custom-made piece for the Millennium Falcon, so that makes it even sillier. Uh, yeah, I'm not... I There's don't... no circular Come on, orb. Star Wars nerds, we need you. We need you. <laughs> like Han Solo had a bunch of fucking lead bulbs from Home Depot <laughs> in well, the drawer. Well, no, because it, it was more like a... I got the sense that it was a, a round globe, you know, not not like a, a traditional light bulb like we would think of it, but... There's, yeah, you're right. I don't see anything like that on these interiors. This this is a true fucking mystery. Yeah. A space mystery. I don't know, maybe in, like, Han Solo's personal quarters he has a regular-ass light bulb or something. But they weren't in his personal quarters. It was pretty clear that they just like, walked onto the Millennium Falcon and, like, a light bulb from the ceiling, and, like, in the hallway. <laughs> so the only things I'm seeing are, there are these, like, gray caps with lights around them, but they're, like, they've got, they're, like, ribbed, and they're not glass globes at all, so I... I don't know, man. I think this is a technical <laughs> foul that broke this story. Technical foul. Uh, lore misplacement. No bulbs on the Millennium Falcon. No oh, bulb you know bulbs. what, Chris? All we have to do is go to this life-size replica of the Millennium Falcon. Like the inside of it? Someone made it in Denver. In Littleton... Or sorry, Littleton. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Starting Friday, May twenty fifth, at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton, a fan built replica. Sorry, this article is twenty eighteen. A fan built replica of the famed Millennium Falcon's cockpit. Oh, just the cockpit. Yeah. So fuck off. Like <laughs> the replica constructed inside a forty foot long shipping container <laughs> is designed uh, to appear as it does in in oh in the new movie Solo, a Star Wars story. Okay. Well, that. I did not see that, and I don't feel like... I don't know. 
Fuck it. Anyway, I think this bulb doesn't exist, and I think the story breaks the story because of it. It's also a stupid story. Where it's like... Like, the and the worst part is that it doesn't even... I mean, they get to the point where the kid... The kid sees the mom, like, crying over the broken ornament, and he's like, oh, I really fucked up, basically. And the mom's like, no, no, I'm crying because I was worried about you because I didn't know where you were. He's like, well, I brought you a replacement anyway, and, like, everything's cool, but... It doesn't even really... Uh, it doesn't really like reinforce that idea that also why it's not a novel idea that your child is more important than an object like a decorative object i it's not very impactful for me yeah. is all i'm saying <laughs> like it's really not but han solo was there he and sure Chewbacca. was <laughs> and Chewbacca. oh and added shit chuck oh his his and, and Itchy Cuck was there. His, his. Oh, did you know Chewbacca's dad's nickname was Itchy? That's what I found out. Yeah. Oh for- my God! There was an Itchy and a scratch. I think there was an Itchy and a scratchy. I'm. Please hold. I don't think there was a scratchy. I would have remembered if there was a scratchy. Oh, I'm sorry. There was an Itchy and. Oh, I forgot. This part is great. So there's a uh, Lumpawarump, the little. Wookie, I don't know who that is. Oh, is that the kid? No, isn't the kid named like Woo Woo or something? Yeah, Lumpy is like the uncle or something. No, it says his grandson, Lumpy. Anyway, this sentence really got me. It's like the fourth sentence. How many times had Itchy leaned back in his chair, chuckling at his grandson's antics, Lumpy cramming a furry fist into his mouth to stop himself from shrieking in glee as the great day dawned. You know, because that's how I react to Christmas Day. I shove my fist in my mouth and scream. Okay. Yeah, so I guess this is a, a fish shrieking time. Yeah. Don't. All right. So, yeah. But, uh, can we fix it? Can we fix it, Chris? I mean, just give me something more creative, right? Just, like, something that isn't based on human holiday traditions. Like, I don't know, the telekinetic gas bag creatures get together once every... They share their gas fi- bags. They, se- yeah. they, share, they mix their gas into the valley of gas sharing. Yeah. And that's how, you know, they celebrate their community because, you know, they're the only species biologically capable of mixing their innards together and bringing them back into themselves when they've learned something and gained a little piece of each other. And that, like, that's some weird alien shit, right? Yeah, like, right. That's what I'm looking for here. Yeah, just give me something weird and unique. And If you're trying to sell me on a whole-ass galaxy, how many years from now? It was actually a long time ago, Paris. What? The beginning of a Star Wars movie a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Wait, this is... What? Star Wars is in the past, Paris. A long How? time ago. How? A long time ago uh, in a galaxy far, far away. How could it be in the past? Because they developed faster than actual Earth. Earth is separate entirely and develops way later. Oh, right. That was a stupid question. So, wait. So, what galaxy are they supposed to be in? Some. A galaxy. Oh, okay, right. Far, far away. Okay. Sorry. That was really... I, I, my brain stopped working for a second. I'm sorry. Oh, it also stopped working every time a Star Wars movie started. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I just wasn't, you know, when I was a kid, uh, the, the original Star Wars trilogy was like reissued into theaters for some reason. 
I remember that. And my dad was really excited. Yes. My dad really liked it. So was them. mine. And so my dad was like, oh, we got to go see these. So I like went to see them with my dad and I was like, this is fine. I just wasn't, I wasn't that hyped about it. Like, I didn't think it was that great because it just felt like every other story to me. Um, I mean, no, I liked, I really loved all the practical effects and stuff in the, you know, the first three movies. Oh, that's so sci-fi I'm, classics, right? Like, you, there's nothing, there's few things quite like it. Uh, visually, yeah, sure, say that. Um, but, yeah, I wasn't, I don't know, I just wasn't that into it. And then, like, little did I know, as I got older, it was, like, revival, and then they made, I don't know, another 12 movies or whatever, however many things they've made. Um, I just, I'm really surprised at how popular it has become. I don't know, so anyway, all I'm saying is, I've never been particularly jazzed by the Star Wars universe. Like, it's fine. I liked Rogue One. Didn't really like the other yeah, ones. There's entertaining things about it. It's, it's, you know, it's fine. But, like, I... It's too cliche and cheesy for me overall. It's, yeah. It's, how would you... Never... Paris, how would you have fixed this, though, before... Oh, how would I have fixed this? Um... All right. So, this, this really feels like, you know, Disney and Lucasfilm were like, all right, we gotta make money this year. We don't have a Star Wars film coming out. How are we going to make money? And somebody was like dug in the trash. And they were like, hey, I found these old scripts. And they were like, these suck. <laughs> oh, wait. But what if? What if? You know, and then you have like the montage of them putting together all these stories. It really just feels like someone stapled Judeo-Christian traditions on top <laughs> of Star Wars. And it's really, really hastily done. That'll hold those um, SOBs. And really, yeah, really poorly grafted onto the Star Wars universe. Like, I mean, it really just. You can taste that it was just to make money in time for the upcoming winter holiday season, and and that is uh, mm, that is supported, that nice capitalism flavor that is supported by the publication date of September two thousand twenty one. Yeah, <laughs> um, it just it lacks any you know of that world building that I would kind of expect from a franchise as kind of well trodden as this. It makes like know? a facile attempt at wor- world building. By just throwing words in soup. In yeah, soup. you know, it didn't build the whole world. It's kind of like a loose crust. It's the hollow earth theory <laughs> of world building. I, yeah, I don't know. And I and like we've complained about earlier, I, I just thought it was kind of weird. These stories almost all seem just like Christmas analogs. There's one that's maybe vaguely Hanukkah or Diwali, not really sure. And then, I mean, I don't know, like, you have all these different cultures, like we were saying earlier, you know, why would they be all, all be so similar when you have literal alien species? Like, they're not even human. We're not, I mean, there's so much diversity in human culture. There would be much greater diversity, you know, when we're talking about different species here and alien species that aren't even terrestrial. So you're, you're talking like two different degrees removed, actually more than that, because these are species that aren't even in our solar system. Or even our galaxy. So we're actually... There's so many levels of abstraction here that would produce truly bizarre yes. things. Why is everything Christmas? My species, every once in a while, we all go and swallow each other. And that's the d- d- holiday tradition for us. Because we can, I can digest my mom. That's yeah. horrible. No, it's totally part of the cult. Like yeah, you know, right. actually, I really liked your um, your the great the great shaving and weaving. Yeah, I really, I thought that was that was fine. Right? Yeah. It's, yeah. Whatever. The great licking. I don't know. You yeah. Know, whatever. It's um, Space Dog Christmas. It's Spog Christmas, and we all sniff each other's butts. 
But even that's still, like, Earth-centric, so yeah. I don't know. They, like... Well, and maybe, like you said, I mean, you know, most of these holidays are about, like, community and stuff, and they actually mentioned at the very beginning, like, the huts have a day where they... The one day they don't, like, shed any blood, and I was like, all right, well, that's at least a little more interesting because it's a very individualistic, warlike society that still has a community ritual. I would have much rather had a story about that. Yeah, like, why does that individualistic society have this one community ritual? Right. And then my other complaint is that there's never any cross-cultural sharing. Life Day is supposed to be sort of a pan-cultural everyone celebrating. from the Wookiees. Yes. Like, I don't know, Wookiee Christmas took off really hard on TikTok one year and now everyone <laughs> does. Yeah. It's I, like the Wookiee version of TikTok. So it's rah, rah, rah. Well, that's the other strange thing is that, you know, the Wookiee language is just unintelligible to humans. I mean, I imagine actually... I mean, Han Solo has been able to understand it the entire series. Yeah, so like, I don't, I don't like let's know. not anyway. dig into this. I'm sure there's many forum posts that we could find that that's true. gone over this. Um, I, Yeah, and, and honestly, even if you're like, well, it's for kids, I really wouldn't even recommend this because... There's already better existing stories that these things have pulled from that you could read to your kids. And I don't, I mean, I guess I'm sure there are some kids out there who are like, I will only eat Star Wars shaped mac and cheese. I will only sleep in a Millennium Falcon shaped bed. I will only listen to holiday stories with Star Wars characters. But like, it, uh, I think you need to get that child a therapy session and not a Star Wars themed holiday. Well, no, I think it's normal for kids to have phases like that, but. I just don't think it really serves much of a purpose because these stories aren't really teaching them anything. Yeah. I really just think Droid Santo was probably the only one that I'd be like, keep that story. That's yeah. fine. Expand on that. Publish little... it on a blog. Yeah. <laughs> great. All right. That's it. <laughs> See you later. No. Oil bringer. <laughs> well, um, well, patrons. Yeah. You thank know. you for being with us this entire year. This is the end. End of year episode. This is the end of season six? Yes. End of season six. Yeah. Yes. End of season six of the Terrible Book Club. Um, I hope you are all having a wonderful winter holiday season here on Earth. Um, I guess if, I don't know, maybe, maybe you're not on Earth. Maybe you're listening to this hundreds of thousands of years from now. Um, yeah. Hope you're all having a nice time out there. You know, hope you're just having a, a nice time, even if you're not into the winter holidays. Maybe your holidays are in the spring or the summer. Or never. Maybe you don't like holidays. Maybe you just like sitting in your room. You know what? Hope you're having a great fucking time sitting in your room. I yeah. agree. Thank you for being with us this year and assisting us in reading these terrible books by sending us horrible crap to read. <laughs> and sometimes sending us good crap to read. Too. Yes. Uh, some of you have sent us books this year. It's been really nice. Kind messages this year. Oh, yeah. A lot of kind messages. Really generous donations. Um, yeah. Y'all are really the lifeblood of the life ink of these ter this terrible book club. Um, yeah. So I don't know if I don't know if it really. Sorry, I didn't really think about if I had anything special to say. Um, I guess this is nice for us because we're doing an episode in person. Yeah, face to face. Like yeah. I said, the, the candle is still burning from the beginning the of the episode. Is still burning. The tea has been drunk. We are still cozy. What would a what would a Terriblo tradition be? Hmm. Here we I go. Think there we go. You would rip books up and burn them. To, to purge the terrible books from the year. Like, you would all bring the mm. worst book you read that year, talk about why it was bad, rip it up and burn it, and then, then someone would gift you a new good book. 
That would be the Terrible tradition. You use the ashes to, like, create a, a work of art that is better yeah. than... Or, like, an elaboration like upon... A man, like a sand mandala. Yes. It's a fucking terrible book ash mandala. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. That's weird, Paris. Braveborn has a song right now with the working title of sand mandala. All of these spooks. Woo! I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that it actually... Well, I think there actually are countries that do um, kind of book-giving... As a part of their winter holiday tradition, so I think Tereblo's holiday tradition would be crawling into the void of words. So it's the space between, like the blank spaces between words and a book. He crawls into there in some book that he has managed to decide was the worst this year, and he stares out um, from that empty space, looking at you, reading the book. And just for one time a year, he decides to make things a little bit easier, and he magically erases thirty pages. From the book that you're reading. Dude, I think he's done that to me many times because <laughs> there are so many times we'll be talking we'll be talking about something we've read and you'll mention something and I'm like, I can't I couldn't even tell you what book that was from. I don't know what you're talking about, Chris like Paris. You said this on this episode and I was like, I don't remember. <laughs> like I just my memory is Terriblo's holiday touch. It's Terriblo's magic. Um Actually, your idea that Terriblo is hiding in the spaces between words is that's actually terrifying to me. I'm like a little freaked out by that. Sorry to ruin your holiday tradition, but I mean, Trivolo also isn't hiding in between words. He's emblazoned upon my arm all year round. That's true. So. You you went through a, a major uh, uh, ritual yeah. for Trivolo this year. I, I did this year. You did. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I guess. Um. I like. I mean, I like winter holiday time just because it means food and gifts and being with people you care about. I, I guess not that you can't do that at any other time of year, but this is the prescribed time. I really like winter. Work gives you flexibility yeah. in terms of being off around here, so that's really the major thing. That really is. I'm very fortunate to have a job where, at least at the time of this recording, um, to have a job where I get some time off at the end of the year. It's pretty nice, so... um. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure I'll be. Um, I'm planning, planning on going to. Um, of course, see my partner in Minneapolis, and then we are going to Seattle together to see uh, his extended family. So, um, well, you know, assuming assuming things are still safe at that time, and it's you know, or as safe as they can be, and you know, everything goes well, traveling and whatnot, but um. All right. Well, Paris, I think it's time to thank the people that supported us this year. The patrons. Yeah. I was going to ask you what you were doing this holiday season, because I just said I was... I was oh. Um, and then you just were like, fuck you, Paris. Let's go to the patron roll and end this fucking episode, <laughs> even though I'm the one that has to travel an hour and a half back home right now. I mean, uh, I'm not hanging out, being with friends. Like, I, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. Right here. This, this right here. Yeah. It's, it's the pre... We're approaching holidays right now mm. not quite there yet i've got a lot of that lined up yeah yeah i don't know i'm a, to be honest to be honest pretty excited that we're doing a bunch of pre-recording to take a nice break um so we don't have to read terrible books for a few months it'll be nice we can do other things read good books mm. all right all right well we can thank those patrons thank you patrons we hope you have a lovely winter holiday season a lovely winter a lovely existence Thank you to Dari, Greg, Veronica, Will, D, Jared, Lynn, Dinya, Yakub, Bobby Black Cat, Lekhorath, Elliot, Kieran, Mark, Jay, Scott, 
Luchek, CTAF1, Miri, Yanka, David, Julius, Anya, Anonymous, Trisha, Austin, Donnie, Crimson Paladin, our newest patron, Callum. Thank you so much, Callum. Welcome to the Terrible Book Club team. You can get your tattoo next time. Uh, and our uh, Kofi donor, Lax Dodies. Thank you all very much for supporting us this year and for continuing to listen. And yeah, just it, it, it's fun. It's nice to have you all. Uh, if you also want to help support the show, you can find our Patreon, our Kofi, Coffee, whatever. You can find us on YouTube. You know, tell people about us. Give us a review. Like us on a platform. Just keep existing. Send us an email if you want at terribleclub at gmail.com. Put some, some goodwill out into the forest for us. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, hope you have a, a lovely turning of the year. And we will, we will see you the, uh, the beginning of January. Whatever the first Tuesday in January is. Yeah. That one. Around then. Yeah. All right. See you next year, everybody. All right. Well, good night. Your fucking Paris noises. It's fine. Makes fun of my noises. Before the Boyer Valley was going to his local holiday grocery store. He didn't know what to get for his many nights. Oh, what will it be this year? Guys, can I get five minutes? I gotta fucking shop. Okay. Well, that's all in the beginning here. So. That's fine. That's fine. Future Chris will take care of that. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready, Paris? Yeah, I mean, this is me starting. Mm-hmm. Oh, we get the heat vent on this episode. That's nice. <laughs> that's just there. Don't worry. Like, yeah. Very, very, uh. That's in every holiday yeah, TV every, scene. Yeah, yeah. It's just heat vents. <laughs>